So welcome everyone, and nice to be welcomed here in this new abode of the Gopals. The Gopals, Kijai. So I'm going to continue our discussion from last night. <coughs> Who wasn't here last night? Okay, welcome today. <laughs> Your son not here? Not coming? Okay. Uh, yeah, new situation, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <coughs> last night we began our discussion of Jiva Goswami Prabhupada's Namastakam. So that is an astakam or eight stanza uh, glorification, in this case of, of Nam, Harinam. And as I mentioned last night, uh, a couple hundred years after uh, Sri Rupa Goswami penned his astakam, Baldi Bijibhusan wrote a commentary, a very brief commentary on it, included in a compilation of Sri Rupa's works. Um, well, I shouldn't say it's it's. Uh, there's a compilation of Rupa Goswami's works entitled uh, Stavamala and some contemporary or some editions today of that uh, include Bali's commentaries on a number of uh, Rupa Goswami's poems. So the commentary is brief, as I mentioned. We were elaborating on it. Considerably, given that it's we're speaking about it in a different time and different circumstance altogether. <clears throat> Again, f- when a commentary is written hundreds of years ago, there's a lot, or at any time, there's so much taken into consideration by the commentator, who the audience might be, what their questions might be, and so forth and so on. And we are a very, very different audience than Baladevijibushan's audience. I don't know if he could have even imagined, uh, you know, what the audience how bizarre it might be, <laughs> or how unqualified, how lacking in qualification it might be. Thus the need, of course, this obviously underscores the need for what we call, what, who knows? Guru Parampara, exactly. Whose really um, uh, purpose is to comment um, shed light on, if you will, the, the, the lotus of the sacred text and their significance in consideration of the time and circumstance, the audience, and so forth. <clears throat> Which, as an aside, I guess, really speaks to the depth of the, the texts themselves if compared them to a mind that can be mined and uh, so many valuable jewels, just it it's, it's never stops uh, giving, so to speak. Um, the other example given in the Bhagavatam itself, of course, is Nigama Kalpataru Galitam Palam. The Kalpataru <coughs> uh, Bhagavatam says that the, the sacred texts of the Hindus, the Veda, etc., it's uh, 
corollaries and so forth, that collection of uh, literature that we sometimes refer to as the Vedic literature, the most voluminous body of literature, is uh, in the what is the ripened fruit of that, the Bhagavatam, it is described that tree, that, that, that body of literature as a tree, a, a kalpatru, a wish-fulfilling tree. Hmm. So it doesn't uh, stop giving as time goes on, but you might need help picking the fruits. Hmm. So we see what, what kind of fruits uh, or what kind of jewels we can pick or mine further from the Namastakam of uh, Rupa Goswami. As I mentioned last night, Baladeva commented at the onset that the nine-verse Astakam, um, I'm going to review a little bit from last night, some of you heard this already, but uh, is um, was written by Rupa Goswami in uh, eight-verse Astakam, in eight different meters, which is rather peculiar because normally you'd write an Astakam or a poem uh, as may be the case, all in the same meter. And it somewhat goes against the kind of the poetic uh, sensibilities or the, the math that underlies the poetry. I gave an example of different keys that uh, a song could be played in. If you started changing keys throughout the song, it would be considered a, a, a fault rather than ornament, but here it's considered an ornament that Rupa Goswami has composed his astakam in eight different meters. Because each of the eight meters are feminine meters, and he seeks by that, or sought by that, to say to those who are as deeply learned and involved as Baladev Bhusan, hundreds of years later, to pull that out. Hmm? What is that? That The reason he wrote it in eight different feminine meters is to say how subtly, hmm, whether anybody understood it or not, it doesn't seem to be of that much importance to Rupa Goswami, but, but to say to those who are really listening deeply that Harinam, of course, Nam is non-different than the Nam, the named, Nam and Nam, you know. So, Harinam means Krishna, and he's surrounded by his astasakis in eight feminine meters. <clears throat> it's a beautiful insight that turns a fault, poetic fault, into an ornament. So, leave it to the successor to ornament and complement the speech of the predecessor. Hmm? It's not a bad thing if the talk keeps going on, <laughs> generation after generation. So, uh, the first verse that we discussed at some length of the Namastakam, Nikila Shruti Moli Ratnamala, it speaks of uh, the uh, Moli Ratna, the crown jewels of Shruti, of the sounds of the Veda, which of course, as we spoke at length last night, refers to the Upanishads. So, you, you know from the Gita, Trigunya Vishaya Veda, most of the Vedas deal with Trigunya, movement within the Gunas. This is the socio-religious uh, life that the Veda uh, weighs in on. Hmm? 
how you can live from a social religious point of view in such a way that you can tread as lightly as possible in the world in terms of taking, hmm, exploiting, and in a way that should, in due course, draw you to further inquiry and pursuit beyond merely a religious orientation to the text and into a spiritual, experiential orient, uh, orientation of the text. So from Dharma Jignasu, which the Karma Mimamsa begins with, to Brahma Jignasu, which the Uttar Mimamsa uh, begins with, and, and now we're off into the Upanishads, the small section. The large section is the Vedas dealing with the three gunas, because that's where most of the people are at and where their interest lies. This is one of the reasons why it's such a diverse body of sounds, the Veda, as I said. And it might be looked at from an academic point of view as just kind of a disconnected Shiva to Bhagavan Swayam in the Shiva Purana, it says. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, it says in the Bhagavad Purana. Different people fighting and so on and so forth. But Nana Shastri Charanaikanipuno Saddharma Samstapako Lokanam Hitakarano Tribuvanemanyo Sharanyakaro. Rup Sanatan Jiyugotsami, these uh, founding acharyas of our Sampradaya have, Srinivas Acharya writes in his poem glorifying them, his um, Sadgosami Astakam, that uh, they plumbed the depths of the sacred texts and they did it with a certain motive. They explored the texts at great length with a certain motive. What was the motive? Lokanam hitakarino. Hitakarino means compassion. With a heart of compassion, they plumbed the depths of the sacred texts for the, for the loka, for the people in general. Hmm? That uh, their import and the fact that they are speaking in, in a concise way all pointing in one direction could be um, better made known to the common people that they could take advantage of this uh, original form, if you will, of revelation. We have the Western revelation of the uh, the New Testament and I guess the Old Testament and so forth. And we have the Veda, the Upanishads. And, and the first attempt to demonstrate their um, concerted voice, uh, directed uh, voice, if you will, of course, was the Vedanta Sutra. That's the first form of theology in the world. Theology means to kind of try to make sense and reason about revelation and its implications. So it's a rich uh, and ancient uh, tradition that we are uh, of revelation that we're, we're tied to, and um, and compiled or uh, composed and compiled under the direction of the legendary Vyas, we know from the Bhagwat itself. Hmm, there, please come. The story is given that having done the work of composing and compiling. These sounds, hmm, sounds which I likened last night to the math, mathematics that are embedded in in uh, in the natural world and discovered 
by mathematicians and having discovered them they discover something about how the world um, works hmm? these um, you got to have a certain ID car and eligibility to draw out those equations right so similarly to hear the sound of the Veda if you will hmm? uh, then uh, uh, and then turn them into writing which is, is, is what we have of course today this required some inward uh, inward movement and uh, going beyond the limitations of the ears for hearing for example it's not that we have we hear because we have ears or we see because we have eyes or believe it or not that we know because we have a mind to think with. Actually, these things, senses and mind, are getting in the way of our knowing. That's a very different way of looking at these instruments than we are accustomed normally to, to look at them. We look at them and rely upon them, mind and senses, as our tools for acquiring, understanding, um, knowing, hmm? But as I'm speaking about them, they're, they're getting in the way of our knowing. Hmm? And the, the easy way to illustrate that, of course, is that your mind and your senses give you a certain picture in which you determine this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. And my mind and senses give me a different picture, which gives me different happies and different sads, different goods and different bads. So is it good or is it bad? Is it happy? Or is it sad, etc., etc.? Is all relative to the to the mind and set of senses that you have, and therefore it would be easy to conclude that nobody is getting the whole picture. Hmm? We're getting some picture, but a limited picture, like a like a like a hole in the fence that you're looking through, trying to see the pasture on the other side, and some people can't even see the cows hmm, that are there, etc. So, we need a better way of knowing, hmm? a better way of knowing. So, and not an irrational way of knowing, but a way that transcends even reason, what to speak of mind and senses. Hmm? Because reason is limited then to reason about that which we can gather with our minds and our senses. Hmm? So, not an irrational method, but a transrational method has been recommended in the texts. So, Vyas was advised, as the Bhagavatam itself says, when he reported to Narada that I've com compiled all the Vedic texts, all these sounds, hmm? the rishis have heard them, and I've heard them, but anyway, they've been recorded now, written down, and I'm feeling still unfulfilled. And Narada appeared on the scene and told him, it's because you have not, in uncertain, no uncertain terms, described or emphasized the efficacy of bhakti, hmm? its post-liberated status and its generosity to reach hmm, down to the depths and pick up anyone without asking any prior qualification, like jnana does, like karma does, like yoga does. They have their efficacy, their reach, hmm? and then they have the extent to which they are available as a methodology. Hmm? And all of them carry with them certain qualifications that, that one must have to take them up and attain their reach. 
The reach of bhakti is farther and the qualification is next to nothing. It asks, it begs only your faith in uh, her efficacy. So what Nara told Vyas is you haven't really written in, in any one book such a way that it's very clear that that um, the, what is the position of bhakti. And so he went inward. And uh, in his samadhi, he, from the vision of his samadhi, he came out and wrote the Bhagavatam. Now what Rupa Goswami has done is the exact same thing that Pyas has done, only to take it to another level. Take the Bhagavatam and explain, he, Sanatan, Jiva Goswami, in no uncertain terms, what it's actually talking about. <laughs> Uh, uh, so refining that same work, the text, the Bhagavatam, is the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <clears throat> and they did this, the point I'm making, the Goswamis, Lokanam Hitakarano, with the, the, the driving um, motivation being compassion for the people, common people in general. This is an important point as an aside, uh, that being that Bhagwan has a problem in terms of expressing compassionate love for the common people. The problem is that the common people or the Jeev, the conditioned jivas, are under the influence of the Maya Shakti. Hmm? And Krishna is moving only under the influence of the Sarup Shakti and he doesn't go outside of the influence of his Sarup Shakti. Hmm? Only at the Sarup Shakti in the form of bhakti, makes ingress into our lives as tatastajivas, then can we have a relationship with Bhagavan? If bhakti comes to us of her independent capacity, then Krishna has to follow. Because wherever bhakti goes, Krishna must be there. There cannot be bhakti without the object of bhakti. There cannot be love without the object of love. Hmm? Sometimes in the, in the middle chapters of the Gita, from 7 to 12, where Krishna starts talking very kind of bombastically or about himself, I am this, I am that, I am everything, the first six chapters are all about how great you are. Hmm? Krishna begins that section by saying, you're amazing, the Atma is amazing. It's not this, it's not that, it can't be burned, it can't be drowned, it can't be blown away. Hmm? can't be blown out. So, <laughs> uh, it's amazing, he concludes. And then he goes on to speak about it further. Six chapters. It's pretty in- inviting, hmm? saying so many nice things about you. Of course, it's about what you are as well as what you are not and what you might think you are and the difference between the two, what you are being much more beautiful. Hmm? than what you think you are, much uh, unlimited in comparison and capacity and so forth. And then, of course, he begins, as I say in the middle chapters, he begins to speak about himself. And some people I've heard react to the middle chapters of the Gita like, well, I don't know if I can take this part. I'd like the first part, but this is like, this guy's kind of, kind of uh, full of himself, so to speak. Hmm? But I've explained that, no, he's really not talking about himself. Krishna is not talking about himself and tooting his own horn, so to speak, in the middle chap- the theological section of the Gita, the middle six chapters. He's talking about bhakti. 
that if you read it carefully, you see he's talking about bhakti. But he can't talk about bhakti without talking about himself, because he's the object of bhakti. So you cannot have love without the object of love. They're different, but they're one in that if you take one of them away, the other one doesn't have any standing. What is the meaning of the object of love if there's no love? What is the meaning of love if there's no object to repose it in? So this is the achintya, beta beta kind of equation, if you will, or the lens through which we've learned to look at the scriptures from an analysis on the part of Jiva Goswami of the trance of Vyas that gave rise to the Bhagavatam. And this way, they're writing about the Bhagavatam, expanding it and elaborating upon just exactly what uh, Vyas was told to do by his guru Narada. Hmm? Someone could say, hey, wait a minute. I didn't see that in the verse. Hmm? That's because he didn't have the association. That's because he didn't have Sanatana Goswami's commentary. That's why Prabhupada said things like the common commentaries are more important than the translations. The translate the, 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 <laughs> and the Gita. The Gita, for example, is Krishna's words. Prabhupada said, well, my commentaries are more important than the words. Hmm? This is this is called Vaishnavism. Hmm? You understand? Hmm. What is the meaning of Krishna without love of Krishna? And what is love of Krishna? That is Krishna's devotees. Hmm? And what is the measure of those devotees' love? It exceeds lo- Krishna's love in this sense, that Krishna's love is for his devotees. As far as those non-devotees, hmm, he's aloof from them. Hmm? They're under the influence of the Maya Shakti. Hmm? He is compassionate. That's one of his qualities. That's true. But he's, he's compassionate for his devotees. What does uh, Jiva Goswami say at the end of the Paramatma Sandarbha? The purpose of the world, the material world, hmm, is for Bhagawan to descend, avatara, cross from up to down, into the world, to cater to those devotees who he can't tolerate their separation anymore, those sadhana siddhas, whose separation he can't tolerate anymore. Hmm? So he comes to capture them and take them to the aprakat, the unmanifest lila. That's why he comes. In other words, he comes... But he's staying within the fold of the Sarup Shakti hmm? and only interacting with his devotees. But his devotees, like the Goswamis, on the other hand, hmm? they are said to be manifestations of his Kripa Shakti. So he has Kripa, he has mercy, and it personifies in the form of his devotees who love him, and in the context of their love for him, they show compassion to the common people. Hmm? So, Lokanam Hitakarana. It said this, Sukadev said this, uh, mm, Sukadev's um, student. Uh, no. Yes, but no. <laughs> um, other Goswami. Um, Sutta. Sutta Goswami. When Sudha Goswami begins to speak, of course, in the Bhagavatam, he offers first his pranam to Sukadeva Goswami. Kurnayaha paranaguhyam. 
This Purana Guhyam, the secret Guhyam of this Purana, my Guru spoke out of Karuna, Karunayaha Purana Guhyam, out of compassion. Compassion is a kind of a fullness hmm? that uh, in, that overflows into sharing. There's no selfish motive, nothing to gain by that. Hmm? So, uh, we should hear the text from such um, persons. There, Then we can understand this kind of what otherwise might be, otherwise might be called the jungle of sounds when we refer to the Eastern Revelation. I was saying last night, if you look at it from an academic point of view only, it will seem like a, saying this over here, this over here, it sounds like politics and one's fighting with the other. I like Shiva, no, God, no Krishna is God, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, the goal is heaven. Uh, uh, the goal is, uh, is is mukti. The goal is another kind of mukti. Uh, uh, it's uh, so, but it's speaking to all different types of human uh, psychologies, minds, and in in a masterfulness of Vyas trying to like connect with everybody somewhere, somehow, somewhere, connect everybody. Oh, you can get that from the Veda. It's a nigama kalpataro. It's a many many branched kalpataru wish filling tree. You can whatever you want. You could get from more readily from the Veda than anywhere else, without any negative implications. You might get money by stealing, but there would be negative implications. If you get it by sacrifice, there'll be no negative implications. You'll get more in this life and in the next life, and so. So it tries to involve uh, everybody, um, and therefore it has different voices. The Veda itself, Chaturveda, the four Veda, speaks in the voice of a king. Do this. Don't do that. The Puranas, which Purana, Purna means to, here it means to uh, complete, full, which it's not a good, let's say, fleshes out the abstract Veda, the aphorisms of the Veda, and and speaks like a friend by way of telling a story. You want to know the answer? Let me tell you a story. Okay, you got a minute? Let me tell you a story. It's a, it's very. Take a walk, and so the, there's a nar- narrative after narrative, narrative within narrative, and and so on. And these narratives crisscross over different Puranas and told slightly different in different Puranas also. Even the story of Parikshit and Sukadeva, which is central to the Bhagavatam, is told in the Mahabharata in a different way. Hmm? So for different audiences, and Vyasa's mind is like as big as the sky. So he's trying to, and everybody fits within the sky. So he's trying to address every mind so to speak. The fact that he's trying to do that and he is effective in doing that is the task of the Guru Parampara to draw from the text and show how they're relative in contemporary society and the answer to the to the questions that arise in, in the world even today and so on and so forth. And they're speaking about truths that uh, that are um, always so. Hmm? So anyway, it's a masterful... Uh, uh, body of uh, revelation to be uh, in, in in touch with, and we're fortunate to be in touch with it through a channel uh, c- capable of qualified capable for explaining it and shedding new 
new, new light on it. Here, the instance is, of course, Rupa Goswami's Namastakam and Baladeva um, Dibhushan's brief commentary that we're, we're commenting on. But we're, again, we're just reiterating a little bit about the first verse where the sacred, this, the, 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 the Ratnamoli, the, the crown jewel of the sounds of the Upanishads are mentioned by Rupa Goswami where he says they've been strung together in a wreath, like a mala, a garland, and that, in the, and that it, that garland is 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 being placed upon the effulgence, the light emanating from the toenails of Harinam himself. So, what does it say then about the sound Krishna? What he's saying is that all the 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 crown jewel of the Vedic sounds. Ahambramasmi, neti neti, tattvamasi. They don't. They don't have a, a meaning that readily registers. If I say ahambramasmi, it doesn't register with the common person. Just like, oh yeah, of course. Uh, Prabhupada would say things like, "You're not the body." For us, it sounded like that's weird and different and cool. Like you're not the body. How different could that be? We were all trying to be different at the time. But, but you're not the body. We've heard it so many times, that, of course, that we think it's natural and normal, but it doesn't just quite fit between everybody's ears uh, unless they have some samskar for it and association and so on. So, aham brahmasmi. Or it's, it's even it's saying, you are Brahman. What does that mean? Of course, Brahman's God. It doesn't mean that you're God, but you're... Uh, so there explanations are required and so forth. But anyway, these sounds are very short and they're full of light. They're full of light because they're all talking about that which is self-luminous, the Atma and its source. It's beyond the gunas, beyond the darkness and the covering, the tree guna that most of the Veda deals with. Now it's talking about that which gives light to the world. Hmm? That which gives light to the sun, right? The, the atmocentric perspective, not the geocentric or the heliocentric, but the atmocentric, that the world is moving around a fixed position of consciousness. It's fixed. Hmm? It's not subject to transformation, birth, death, and so forth. Um, it can't, nothing can move it. It's uh, 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 achalam. It's uh, so many ways it's spoken of to make this point uh, of a, as I say, atma-centric perspective of the world. Everything's moving around something you can't see, hmm? and it's you. Hmm? Krishna says this in the Gita, in the seventh chapter. What does he say? Hmm? Apareya mitasthanyam prakritim vidimeparam jiva bhuta mahabhau yayidam dharyate jagat. The jagat dharyate, that is jiva tattva. The world is moving around the jiva. It's the, 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 the moving force, so to speak. The qualitative uh, substance beyond the quantitative physical and, uh, and uh, mental world, physical and psychic matter. Hmm? So, uh, these sounds, 
crown jewel sounds of the Upanishads, they're, they're the luminous sounds. They're above the gunas. They're speaking about that, about you and the fact that you actually exist independent of the gunas, independent of time and space. So they're very profound um, and significant, important. They're, they're, again, Upanishadic sounds. Upanishad means to sit close. The implication is, so I can tell you something that's uncommon. I can whisper in your, your ear. Hmm? So some qualification to hear them and understand them is required. And what Rupa Goswami says is that these sounds are like spotlights, searchlights. They're like searchlights, he's saying. Searchlights looking for Harinam, trying to shed light in the darkness of the luminous world. Hmm? <laughs> it's kind of a peculiar idea. Hmm? Uh, from the, just the, the edge of the luminous world, they're trying to shed light into a region that, that they don't even reach. They're just pointing to. Hmm? We kind of concluded with this last night. There's a nice statement by by Krishna's really a guru in Dwarka. Who's Krishna's guru in Dwarka? Uddhava, very good. Hmm? Shastravit Uddhava. He knows all the Vedas. That's why he was sent to Vrindavan, right? Because he knew all the Vedas. Therefore, those people were lamenting over there and he could go there and say, don't lament. Hmm? Things happen. Hmm? What can be done by the will of providence? Well, it appeared and it was in his mind that that's why he was sent there. But when he got there, what he saw was something that was off the Vedic map. Hmm? He said, This is something that the Shruti is trying to, trying to find, hmm? trying to, searching for. It's beyond its reach. Hmm? I cited a verse of Rupa Goswami's that, or, of, of, of uh, Jiva Goswami that somewhat parallels uh, what Rupa Goswami is saying here in his first verse of Namastakam. Rupa Goswami said, Shrotam api Upanishadam nure harikatamritam. The Harinam or Harinam Amrit Kata. Talk about Harinam, talk about Krishna. Dure. Hmm? The sound, the shrotam of the Upanishad, the shrotam, the sounds of the Upanishads. It means these crown jewels of the Upanishads, these aphorisms. Dure, they are far away. They're at a great distance. Where they can take you will leave you at a great distance from Harinam, hmm? where Harinam can take you. And then he says, what? Kampashu Pulakara. He 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 begin in the second part of the verse. He begins to speak about astasatvika vikara, translation to involuntary transformations of ecstasy that is, for example, so prominent in Chaitanya Dev, hmm? the very personification in the religious history of the world of ecstasy that to which there's no comparison. The Goswamis looked at the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu, and then they tried to locate it on the scriptural map. What is this? That's what they tried to do. And they did it. Hmm? 
they located it on the scriptural map. Hmm? They understood. Hmm? This is Mahabhav. Hmm? Then, of course, they had to explain what Mahabhav was too. But they, 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 it's a long story. But that's Gaudiya Vaishnavism. That's a literary legacy. They located this uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy kind of on the map, I should say, of the Vedas. They, 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 they demonstrated that the Vedas were pointing in the direction of this, which is actually beyond themselves. That's why the, the Krishna Leela is depicted as, they don't know the Vedas there. It's a good thing, though. They don't know the Vedas. Hmm? They know something, they, they're beyond the Vedas. And this is what Uddhava said. He walked around for a couple of months in a daze, so, reciting different poems. This is the conclusion of one. Their love is off the Vedic map. It's like it's 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 beyond. Uh, Rukmini's on the map. Radha's not, so to speak. Rukmini couldn't just run off with Krishna. She had to have a Gandharva marriage arranged. Hmm? A Gandharva marriage is like reaching the limits of the social, religious uh, rules with regard to marriage. Hmm? Gandharva marriages, I like him, he likes me, let's go. That's a, that's a marriage of Kali Yuga. It's actually said in the Mahabharata, only the Gandharva marriages are possible in Kali Yuga. <laughs> so you can feel okay about that. Your marriage is Vedic. <laughs> <laughs> Without any ritual, what do you think? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, well, he was so stunned by this land of ecstasy. It is said in Brahma Samhita about it that, uh, what is it? Um, how's Brahma, what does he say? He says, uh, no, but what is the Sanskrit? Shiakanta kanta paramaka purusha kalpataru drumabhumis chintamani ganamayi toyamamritam kataganam natyam gamanam apibamsi priyasaki and so on. He says, Brahma says, in this land all the talking is singing. All the walking is dancing. He's just trying to tell us something about the nature of the movement there. And Jiva Goswami wrote a famous commentary on Brahma Samhita and he said, what must be, if all the talking is singing and all the walking is dancing, what must be the singing and what must be the dancing? Just to try to tell us, words don't work here. Hmm? This is beyond language, which is you know, a physical kind of vibration, and beyond thought, conception. Hmm? So those who are trying to put that experience into thought and into language are limited by those vehicles. Hmm? That's why we find different expressions trying to convey the bhavas of the Leela through narrative, Leela narratives, telling the stories in different details hmm? and so forth. Um, there's no contradiction there. They're trying to speak about the bhavas that make the lila go around in such a way, lokanamita karano, that they can be shared. This is and this is the beauty of the Bhagavad also, compared to all the other Puranas. Hmm? Yes, in the Vishnu Purana or Padma Purana, 
there's Krishna's pastimes that are described. They're more described more or less like in chronological order. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And the Bhagavatam says, this feels like, th- it felt, and it felt like this. It's a history of the feeling. Hmm? And trying to bring us within, within, within the, the feeling of the text, the bhava, to share them. Hmm? Sakya, Madurja. Hmm? There's a Vatsalya section also of the Bhagavatam. These sections of the 10th canto corresponding with Krishna being the son of Yasoda, with Krishna being a cowherd boy, with Krishna being the lover of Radha. So we have a, a Vatsalya Rasa center, the Damodar Lila and surrounding chapters. We have Sakirasa center, beginning with the Brahmali Mohan Lila, extending up to the killing of... of um, no. No. Perlamba. Hmm? 18th chapter, from 12 to 18. And then we have the Rasa Lila, Raspanjajai, 5. These, these are talking... What are they talking about? They're talking about the love that corresponds with the person who's the lover of Radha, the person who's a cowherd boy, the person who is the son of Vishoda. Hmm? It was the point. So, Bhagavatam, hmm? many points. Uh, the text is trying to share these feelings. Hmm? Again, uh, Purana, 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 Guyam. Sukadev spoke it like the Goswami's out of compassion. He, he, he is, he's himself, Sukadev, a sadhana suda. These things are coming within him and he's trying to share them with Parikshit Maharaj. Hmm? He's trying to convey some scars for these bhavas. The bhava that you will attain, the seed of that, is, is the sung scars received through sadhu sangha, the impressions. Now we're moving from impressions received from the Maya Shakti. Hmm? Bhakti is is the Swarup Shakti. So another environment, and we're getting impressions about it. These impressions drive our practice and determine our attainment. If you got some scars for Ram Bhakti, you'll attain Ram Bhakti. Hmm? If you get some scars for Madhurya Bhakti, Sringaras, you'll attain this. If you get some cars for, for Sakirati, then you will attain that. Of course, these two are very compatible. So we find them, they both um, work nicely together in in our lineage. They are the windows, Sakya and Madhurya, through which our lineage gives us a, 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 a view of uh, the drama and and where we can how we can participate in it how we can play a role have have a role there hmm? Sakiras of course is, is in a supportive role Balaram in in Goloki can't directly participate in Madhurya Rasa hmm? but in Krishna Lila he can directly participate in it by way of sharing it and putting and drawing everyone to it as he does in no uncertain terms Puja Patrita Marsh like to say that Mahaprabhu taught chant Krishna Nam, hmm? learn Krishna's teachings, right? Remember Krishna, and Mahaprabhu said, no, 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 chant Gaur Nam, remember Gaur, uh, follow Gaur's teachings, and so forth. So he started the whole sampradaya 
Nityananda Prabhu, without any books of the Goswamis being written or anything like that. Uh, just uh, And he was such a powerful person that people just went along with him. <laughs> you got any support for that? I am the support. And incidentally, I'm the support of everything. <laughs> By the way. And, it, and they could feel it. Nitai Chand Gijai. To be under his foundational kind of support, hmm, that's a good thing. Right? Hmm? And that is the Kanda Guru Tattva also. To have that kind of support. Okay, we're in a good position to understand something about uh, Krishna Leela. So, of course, as much as he is placing emphasis, as he does, on Madhurya Rasa, Ms. Vrindavan Das Thakur in Chaitanya Bhagavad said, Nitai Chand has given Gopi Bhav to the world. You don't usually hear it like that, but it's it's, it's true. Hmm? He gave Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the world. Later, of course, the Goswamis did in a refined way by writing about him and theologizing and so forth. But, of course, Nityananda Prabhu, in the course of doing that, his own Sakya Bhav is infectious, and so we find some uh, number of devotees also affected by this no harm. In fact, it's beautiful. Hmm? And of course, the, the most prominent form of Sakyarati in Gaudi Vaishnavism is that which is mixed, influenced by Madhurya Rasa as well. So, so the point anyway, the Bhagavatam is sharing these um, feelings. Hmm? It's a Purana, so it speaks in a voice of a friend. As I said, these texts are speaking in different voices. Vedas, like a, like a, like a king, do this, don't do that. If you don't do that, if you do that, if you don't do that, I'll cut off your head, kind of like commands. Uh, and if you don't have proper connection with it, 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 it will sound a little off-putting. If you can understand the compassion behind it, then okay. But the, Bhag- the, the Puranas seek to kind of help us do that. By Yeah, I know Dad said that. Let's talk about it. Hmm? Dad said, just do it. Don't ask any questions. So your brother says, you're having a little trouble with it. So your brother says, well, let's take a walk. Let's talk about it. So he tells you a story. <laughs> so that what dad's really meaning, what, why he wanted to say it, what the purpose is. is on, this, this is the voice of the Puranas. Hmm? Speaks like a friend. And the Kavya, then, it, it, it speaks in the voice of a lover. And the Bhagavatam speaks in all three voices. Hmm? So such is the Bhagavat. So there's a good reason for it taking the central position that it does through the lens of Gaudiya Vaishnavism for as the kind of hub around which all the texts are orbiting and will be understood in context. Hmm? And what is the Bhagavatam emphasizing? Uh, a, an ideal that reaches beyond the Veda. It is Shruti Saram Ekam. is the essence of the Shruti and it extends to try to describe beyond the Vedas this realm, right? And it says what? How to get there? Hmm? That is, the, what is the emphasis of Bhagavatam? How to get there? There is a singular emphasis in Srimad Bhagavatam as a means to attain this ideal. And that means is Kirtan. Hmm? Bhagavatam ends with Yatra Sankirtan. So, do Sankirtan. Hmm? And throughout Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam. Hmm? These are the angas of bhakti that the Bhagavatam emphasizes. These are all the, the primary 
angas that Ragmarg is, is concerned with, and of course it's ideal that it uh, points to, is this off-the-map Ragmarg of, of Braj. So, it says again, the Goswamis are taking, doing the same thing that Vyas did with the Bhagavatam, with, with the Vedas, by writing the Bhagavatam. Their books are doing the same thing with the Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is Vyas trying to establish in no uncertain terms what is the position, the efficacy of bhakti. It's 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 um, its highest reach and its generosity. These are two ends of the spectrum. Hmm. This is interesting, actually. It's a point, uh, an insight of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that you will not find in other uh, Vaishnava sampradayas. Hmm. So, so the point is this: we have talked in the first verse about the trajectory of Harinam, hmm? that it, 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 it is the practice invoking, praising the name of God of liberated souls. This is some of the import of the first verse of Namastakam is the practice of liberated souls. The personified Upanishads are seeking to shed light. They're searching like searchlights for what is Harinam? What is that full face of the Absolute where love is not constrained by reverence? Hmm? In the language of Pujapachita Marsh, full-fledged theism. So when we come to the second verse of Namastakam, the question might arise, that's great. Harinam is this exalted uh, practice. The name is liberated. Chaitanya rasa vigrav vinatvam namanamina. What is it? Namachintamani Krishna's Chaitanya rasa vigrav punashuna nityamukta. It's nityamukta. The name is eternally liberated. And we've gone beyond just ordinary liberation here. We've gone, gone beyond Sayuja, Salokya, Sarsti, Samipya. Hmm? We've gone beyond uh, uh, Dwarka, Mathura, Ayodhya. We're, we're in Brajlok, not even in Golok, but in the Gokul of Golok, the center of the poetic uh, lotus description of that uh, realm. It's a wonderful idea, but we're somewhere else, is the point. So it's great that Harinam is so exalted, but what does that do for us, <laughs> is the point. Hmm? We've heard how glorious it is, but what does it do for us? Hmm? It's for liberated people. Hmm? So, second verse comes to address such a concern. Hmm? <laughs> Reasonable. <laughs> so... What we have there is, is, is really uh, three verses, two, three, and four, which speak about um, lesser effects of the name <clears throat> that uh, um, relate more uh, to us in initial phases of our acquaintance with it. And as we see in the second verse, the fact that despite that the name is way out there, hmm, it's here as well. O respectable and holy name, Rupa Goswami says, worthy of being sung by the hosts of great sages, 
Okay, kind of reflection on the first verse. He's just recapped as I did. <laughs> it's fair. The first verse. All glories to you, Adinam. See, we're talking about Harinam Sankirtan, so that's why you moved closer, right? Yes, I know you have great affection for that. That's a very good sign. All glories to you, Harinam, for you have taken on the transcendental form of these wonderful syllables in order to please the devotees and ordinary men alike. Even if you are uttered once, neglectfully you destroy all the distress of the living entity. Hmm. So that's something we can relate to, the distress of the living entity. We like to, re to remove that. Hmm. The, the, the seed of that, the, the, the genesis of that is avidya, anadi avidya, beginningless ignorance. So uh, this distress, of course, takes the form of karma. Hmm. This is called klesha also. Hmm. Takes the form of karma. And um, that karma appears in different stages, from unmanifest to manifest, uh, and also karma that is being created. Hmm? It's kriyamana, it's being created. Then it will become aparabdha, gradually it will become parabdha, manifest. So, different stages. Hmm? So, um, it's capable of dealing uh, with this karma. Hmm? And to what extent, he says? Hmm. Um, well, that comes next. But first he says that the name has appeared uh, out of its merciful nature in, in, in the lexicon of, of the world. Hmm? So in letters. It's beyond letters, right? Beyond language, but it's appearing within them. This is similar to the idea that I was speaking of earlier, that, that if, if one has experience of that uh, ideal that transcends thought and word and then tries to enter into the realm of thought and word to relate it, those thoughts and words cannot do justice to it, but nonetheless they have great power, right? Hmm? Uh, because of what's behind them. Hmm? There's a constrained uh, experience that's contained, or there's an unrestrained experience that they're restraining, but they can't fully restrain it. So, so through the poetry um, and the writing of such persons, then uh, we can start to become acquainted just by hearing it. Hmm? with the feeling of that place, of that realm. Hmm? Uh, so they're, they're kind of, they're, they're, they're speaking from their hearts, and if you speak from your heart, you kind of got to get through people's ears and make sure you don't go in one, spin around in the brain and, and go out the other. You want to go in and kind of arrest their intellect, hmm? freeze it, so that doesn't stop. I don't know if I listen to that. I'm not sure if I believe that. I never heard it like that before. Hold on. Wait a minute. Sort of stop that and just go into the heart and create a samskar for bhakti. Hmm? This is the, the, the Prabhupada was very good at this. We definitely stop thinking. Hmm? 
under his influence. <laughs> we can reflect back on it now. <laughs> uh, it had its advantages, but that doesn't mean that in our adult life, I'm addressing Prabhupada's disciples, we should continue to act like children. Hmm? With regard to bhakti only, well, everything else we react, act like adults too, and we think like adults. We should think like adults about bhakti. Not that we're adults necessarily in the school of bhakti. We could say we're still children. Hmm? But we're uh, adults with adult minds to think about the world, its implications, what it says today, and what the texts say, and and so forth, and how to re-say it, and think about it in, in, in consideration of our uh, wisdom gained from years uh, spent, that Prabhupada felt, ah, oh, he was at a loss without. He said, my grandchildren are coming, but my children aren't coming. Hmm? So if all you have is your, if you're if you're moving in a world where you've never been, and trying to figure out how they think, um, so that you could convey your own thoughts to them, and all you have is 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 grandchildren to advise you what the world's like, you might feel a little bit at a loss. And he expressed that. In other words, if he, if his students were 50 years old and they had, <laughs> they could maybe give them some advice that would be better than some. Hippie teenagers or early early twenties, right? Who were so I was saying this the other day. He got advised about alternative America. <laughs> That's what he got advised about. That where we were adults in that realm, hmm? alternative culture, um, which had some advantages, but uh, it wasn't the whole picture necessarily. It had a good spirit, uh, you know, peace and love, but how to get to it exactly wasn't entirely uh, clear. But Prabhupada was teaching how to get to it, right, in a in a, in a comprehensive sense. So anyway, um, here Rupa Goswami says that the name, despite being beyond the Vedas and so forth, post-liberated, it appears within the world in the syllables Krishna. These two syllables, for example, are Hari, hmm? and as such, it becomes accessible. To, to the common people. Of course, it, how does it come? It comes through devotees, obviously, who are chanting the name. Hmm? And it goes wherever it wants. Hmm? Uh, once expressed from the heart of a devotee, then it goes into your heart, whether you want it or not. It goes in the ear and into the heart, and takes a, 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 play, a place there and begins his work. Hmm? Said Harinam goes into the heart like a, with the job of a sweeper, bringing a broom. I've said before that the heart is, so to speak, surrounded by multinational corporations with neon signs and search engines to know what you're thinking and promote to you, you could do this, you could do that, you could be this, you could be that. And so some guy comes in with brooms to sell. Hmm? And he's got no Leon lights. Hmm? Right? No mega corporations or political influence uh, behind him to sell his wares. Hmm? This is how Hari Nam came wherever he goes, really. Yeah. Hmm? 
Prabhupada brought Harinam here, and as they say, there was no no backing. But he went in, and in the heart, and he's selling brooms. I'm going to buy a guy got a broom shop over here. Meanwhile, there's all these other um, advertised possibilities that are very well funded and so forth, and they know exactly how you're thinking. If they've seen where you, where you went on the internet and so forth, so it's very targeted. So what is his chances? Hmm? Well, it's pretty good because his brooms are magical. So he sweep the broom, and he, but just sweeping the broom hmm, of Harinam, then the the coal covering the diamond of the self is start to be removed, and the light from the atma, just the light from the atma, is sufficient to to make the corporate world dark. Hmm? All the other po- possibilities that the world is inviting, the, all the carrots that the world is dangling before you, possibilities of improvement through acquisition, hmm? to make it look as dark as it is. You think you make it, you think if you're a millennial and you think we're going to show that the, that the corporate world is dark. Hmm? The 1%. They're dark. Hmm. Well, Hari Nam wants to take it to another level. <laughs> Just how dark it is. Just how dark is every carrot that the world uh, offers, whether it be a capitalist carrot or a socialist capital carrot or whatever it may be. Hmm. It, ta- it beautifully speaks about both ends of these, for example, social political spectrums. In capitalism, there's your individuality. Hmm? You are yourself, yeah? but you don't have any friends. You're fighting with everybody. <laughs> On some level, you're, you agree to some extent to fight with others, but you're also... Fi- it's uh, Then the socialism on the other side, you lose yourself, but you got friends. <laughs> so you've got the, the collective of friends, Mm-hmm. On the one side, you've got the individuality. The other, and Achintya gives you both. Achintya Beta gives you the individuality, and only in Bhakti can you have friends as far as other spiritual paths. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, you have to, in Gyan, you have to leave everybody behind. In Yoga, you have to leave everybody behind. Mm-hmm. In those schools, you advance by detachment. In Bhakti, we advance by attachment, by Sadhu Sangha, not by Bhairagya. Or if it's by Vairagya, it's by rag, a special kind of rag, <laughs> a special kind of attachment, hmm? attachment to Krishna, hmm? rag anug, to follow those who have the inborn attraction, ragatmika, for Krishna. Hmm? So, name comes to help us with this, right? In the form of the the, the syllables, these syllables are empowered, like the texts of the Goswamis, for example, uh, are empowered. Hmm? They're an attempt to put into language that which is beyond it. Hmm? So the name is merciful in this way, although it's beyond the beyond, beyond Vaikuntha. It comes to this world and shares itself widely. Hmm? As it enters the heart, sweeps away the dust, the Atmananda, the bliss of the Atma starts to come out. And it comes out in the context of Bhakti, which means some abhas, some shadow of Bhakti, Ecstasy hmm, will also be ex- experienced. Hmm? This is very, very bright, and this speaks then about the other end of the spectrum. As I say, Nam 
reaches so high and extends so low. What are the qualifications? Well, according to the verses we're going to hear now, 2, 3, and 4, we get that far. This, the, the name extends himself in the form of his sacred syllables, not only to those who just have faith, hmm? but even to those who don't have any faith, isn't it? This is the extent of... You don't, you don't have any faith to hear the Harinam. Hmm? He still goes there. This is very beautiful. Hmm? It's often said the qualification for Harinam is to take up the, this path of uh, Uttam Bhakti, hmm? the center practice of which is Nam Kirtan, is faith. Shadavan Janohe, Shadavan Janohe. What is it? Bhakti Mote also. Shadavan, Shadavan Janohe, Shadavan. Shadavan Janohe. Oh, that's another verse. But. Uh, that surabi kunje kunjete nam hatukureche kodanitai oh great nitai he set up a marketplace in Godrum. Godrum is the island one of the nine islands of Navadweep. of course they all correspond with a particular anga of bhakti Godrum corresponds with kirtan he set up a shop at Dinandapuru in Godrum, the island of kirtan and is selling the holy name for the price of one's faith only. You need faith to practice yoga, faith in its efficacy. You need faith to practice gyan, hmm? do anything. But you need faith plus. If you want to practice astanga yoga, according to the yoga sutras, and according to the sixth chapter of the Gita, you need faith in yoga and its efficacy. You need a few other things. You need to live in a secluded place. You need to be brahmacharya with no fancy interpretations of the word mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that you can find in the yoga community. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even then you can't get the bhav to wear on your shirt, <laughs> be in the bhav um, through yoga. Uh, but at any rate, um, here we look carefully that the merciful nature of Nam, that he extends through the hands of the devotees, who are his Kripa Shakti, distributing him, that's their compassion, even to those who don't have any faith, hmm? as a beginning. Now this will come up as we, as we go forward a little bit more, but Rupa Goswami says, elaborates a little bit on, uh, in the next verse, what he says here, that, in this verse, that even if uttered neglectfully, now we're talking about hearing, the name went in, now you utter it neglectfully. So people may utter it neglectfully, and still, its power is such that neglectful utterance of the name destroys suffering, destroys this karma. Now that's very uh, extraordinary, because you have to understand that uh, 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 the... The, the, the overtly uh, apparent spiritual path, the path that looks spiritual on the surface, ostensibly, are the paths of yoga and jnana. Because in yoga and jnana, there's a focus on detachment, as I said earlier. So the cultivation of detachment hmm, causes progress in jnana. In other words, 
if you have knowledge and you're cultivating it, then you are aware that happiness will not be derived from attachment to things that don't endure. It's like a no-brainer, right? If I'm chasing after things that are here today and gone tomorrow, and I'm, the purpose of my chasing is to find secure ground to stand on and enduring happiness, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not very smart for doing that. So the corollary of knowledge, of jnana, is detachment. Hmm? Rather than looking after things and pursuing thoughts about things, I'll turn my mind and senses inward, right? Hmm? To experience the, the, the Atma. And so when you do that, you look different than ordinary people. If you do yoga, in the real sense of the term, you're, you're going to live in a cave or something. So you're not even amongst the, the common people. Hmm? So these paths are overtly, you look at them and go, like I must be spiritual. Hmm? Now, as far as devotees go, Vaishnavera Kriya Mudra Vignena Bhujai. It's a problem. Hmm? It said, it's very difficult to understand a devotee because they could look like a very ordinary person. Printing books, hmm? um, doing all kinds of ordinary things that everybody else does, worrying, hankering, and lamenting. Hmm? Oh, Madhava needs something. Goodness, I've got to go. His button broke. Goodness, I've got to get another button. Hmm? Oh, no, she didn't bring the, the ghee. How, how will I feed him tonight? Hmm? I wish I had this for him. I wish I could get that. Hankering and lamenting. So ordinary people are like that. <laughs> busy, busy. Got to keep, keep, keep things going. Uh, uh, this is Archon. Hmm? Archon Prabhupada said, the deity comes in a form, Krishna comes in the deity in a form you can handle, just barely, if you understand Archon Marg properly. You can just barely handle it, because it's pretty consuming. Hmm? But fortunately, for the most part, he doesn't talk to you, because if he talked to you, then it'd be, then it'd be finished. Hmm? Um, you know the story of Sanatan's deity, Madan Mohan, which he had hanging from a tree and he was offering this unleavened, unsalted bread. And one day the deity spoke to him and said, could you put a little salt in there? He said, hey, stop talking. I know you. I put a little salt in that bread. Next you're going to ask for butter. Next you're going to ask for sabjis on top of the chapati. And I'm a poor guy. I'm just living here with, in the forest of brudge with nothing. And I can't supply. You have to stay on my terms. So of course, if the deity talks to you, and then you can talk back like that. <laughs> then you're getting somewhere. Right? For the most part, he can, he can handle them because he doesn't talk. <laughs> so you can put him in a corner over there and everything else is going on. And he's over in the corner. And every now and then you open the door and acknowledge that he's there and so forth. Of course, if, 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 uh, if it's, of course, it can be very consuming. It's meant to be very consuming. Anga of bhakti. Um, so... Um, so what was the point? So, at any rate, Goswami is saying that Nam then uh, can a, uh, remove the karma, right? Was that one of the uh, and stress karma? Yeah. Uh, this is something that. Um, uh, how did I go off on the uh, archon for, for the minute there? Yeah, so ostensibly, gyan and yoga, they look 
the yogi looks like oh he must be spiritual the the karma the, the devotee looks like a karmi hmm just busy could, could be could be just busy in the world so many things but with a different motive because you can't see his or her motive Vish, Vish, the Vaishnavas are uh, difficult to understand hmm? you know the story of um, Pundarik Vidyanidhi Mahaprabhu told Gadadhar oh a great Vaishnava is coming Pap Pundarik Pap Pundarik Bap he said this in madness so, uh, Gadadhar such a nice devotee Hmm. Just uh, from 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 childhood, the brahmachari friend of Mahaprabhu, so close is their relationship. They sleep together at night, hmm. sleepovers, two friends, um, in Gorlila, Radha and Krishna, a form of Radha and Krishna in Gorlila. Very peculiar, very interesting, very central to the main uh, principal bhav of of, of Sampradaya. And they they reside here in the heart of Subal. Tubal Daski Jai. Oh no, hit your house. We were there last night. Excuse me. Uh, sorry. So you got to go to his house sometimes. They're there. So, so, but uh, uh, Gadadhar went, and Pundarik was just dressed like a like a worldly, extremely like a worldly man, and conducting himself. Like a very uh, ordinary person, uh, to say the least, and so some thought came in Gadara. What, what kind of saint is this? And Mukunda could understand his mind, so he began to sing from Bhagavatam verses from the Bhagavatam, like "Ho bakiyam stanakalakutam." Oh, how merciful is Krishna, hmm? who killed Putana. Or who didn't kill Putin, but who gave Putin a Vatsalya Rasa, hmm? even though she approached him with poison on her breasts? Who in their right mind? He started chanting this verse. This is, of course, a verse that would be very appealing to Vatsalya Rasa. And Pundarik is, of course, uh, Brishabhanu in Krishna Leela, the father of Radharani. So hearing this verse, he fell off his palanquin and started ex- exhibiting uh, involuntary ecstasies. And Gadadhar could understand, oh, he's a he's a great Vaishnava. Then he asked Mahaprabhu, how I can make up for my offense? And Mahaprabhu says, take initiation from him. Hmm? So Gadadhar became initiated by, by Pundarik. But the point is, he was difficult to understand on the surface. Hmm? So this is bhakti. It's very, it's very peculiar in this way. It's it's a very, very common sense type of a thing. That's that's that, that at the same time is very hard to find, common sense. Puja Patridomarsh once gave the example of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was a young man, and there was a challenge placed uh, before I guess the Greek warriors that anyone who could undo the Gordian knot would be able to conquer the land of India to the east. So, so many great uh, warriors from Greece tried to undo that knot, and they were unsuccessful. And then the boy Alexander came and said, I can do it. And they kind of laughed at him and said, well, let the kid try. You know. So he just went up and pulled out his sword and undid the knot. <laughs> they said, oh, well, I mean, I, I could have done I mean, you know, 
<laughs> he conquered India, you know, Alexander the Great. So he had a kind of a common sense that uh, is not that common. Hmm? So bhakti is kind of like that. It's if you really start to understand it, you just yeah, well, how could it be otherwise? <laughs> um, uh, but uh, on its face, then it, it it might be not not understood. Not uh, we have a different idea of what spirituality is. We have kind of a jnana idea of spirituality, or we have a karma idea of spirituality. Hmm? If you're getting a lot, if there's a chicken in every pot, he used to tell the Hindus the Christian missionaries, you must have the right religion. Hmm? If you're living bountifully and you've got more, hmm? this is a karma perspective on religion, right? Acquisition. And the Gyan perspective, well, you've got less, but there's more in the less, whatever that means, right? That's not for the common people. There's more in the less, and it's you, and it becomes abstract, and, and so forth. Hmm? The world runs on karma and Gyan on boga and tyag. Hmm? And bhakti is jnana, karmadi, and avritam. Hmm? Uncovered by jnana and karma. Un, not not uh, inhibited by them. But we come into bhakti from jnana and karma. So sometimes we end up taking a jnana perspective on bhakti. That's what we hear. Or we hear a karma perspective on bhakti. And then we start to interpret it without realizing we're doing that and preaching about it in that way. And then you get these very harsh presentations of, of such a soft path as bhakti. Renunciation, for example, by Arg is very harsh. So you get this very harsh, very kind of presentation of bhakti. Oh, he did this. He can't come to the temple ever again because he did something bad. <laughs> or you get, uh, I remember one of my gabbardas, she did the chaturmasya, you know, with the hands behind the back for four months, only eating like this, for four months, showing greatness in Los Angeles. Some of you may remember. Getting you know, great austerity and so forth, after which he married. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was a good kirtanir. So, um, so we need to uncover, so to speak, our understanding of bhakti from jnana, karmadi, karma, etc. Hmm. What is bhakti? It's a very soft path. It's very beautiful. Obviously, it includes some. It includes renunciation, but a very kind of positive renunciation. We don't give things up because we think things are something wrong with them. We give things up because they might not be pleasing to Krishna. And in fact, we accept things that are pleasing to Krishna. The vairagis they won't accept things. They don't understand the concept of something pleasing to Krishna. And if you're accepting things pleasing to Krishna, you might have a lot of things. Because you have to be careful that you're not really into the things in the name of collecting them for Krishna. The new briefcase that used to be, uh, was, uh, they used to have, or a new watch or something that they picked up in Japan on the way over. And of course, everybody needs a watch every year, a new one. <laughs> if it's for Krishna. Mm-hmm. No, so we have to be careful that the, the things aren't using you, but you're using the things for Krishna. That's yukta vairagya. Don't be used by them. Hmm? So, so bhakti is a little difficult to 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 understand, hmm? um, and um, and it's thought 
that by jnana, karma can be removed. Because the root of karma, which is our suffering, is avidya. Avidya means ignorance. Anadi avidya, beginningless ignorance, hmm, has to be removed, and then karma, and proportionately, karma will be removed. So the antithesis, the opposite of knowledge, ignorance, is knowledge. So it's all therefore thought if you do bhakti in many places, then you get knowledge, then you're in a position to re- remove karma hmm? and material samskars. But here it's said that not only is the nam, the name of Krishna, capable of removing karma, but a shadow of the name, which means here the name chanted neglectfully. Hmm? Neglectfully means, well, nam abhas. There are four kinds of nam abhas mentioned in Bhagavatam. Hmm? They come, of course, in the, in, 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 in the sixth canto. Hmm? There it is said, sanketyam parihasyam ba stoba hilanam ibhava. Sanketyam parihasya stoba and helanam hela hela. These are four kinds of abhas, hmm? shadows of the name. It means, Sanketya means to use the name to designate something else. The typical example, I'll give you a nice example. We mentioned it in our discussion of Gopastami uh, a few days back at Saragrahi. On the day of Gopastami, when Krishna is about to become a cowherd, there's a buildup in terms of his getting permission to become a coward, which will mean he'll spend a long time in the forest. It means he's going to live now in the, in the forest. Jamunatira hmm. Bonachari. He's going to be a Bonachari, a forest dweller on the bank of the Jamuna. Because he's with his, his friends now far more than he's with his parents at home. Not only physically, but emotionally. Emotionally, in his Pogandalila, which is, is which the Gopastami is acknowledges, oh, Poganda has begun, cowherd. It's now time for him to be a coward. He's young. Nanda's old. Hmm? But Nanda's got a big responsibility. He's very old when Krishna was born. A big responsibility. So he needs, despite the fact that his son is young, he needs him to step up to the plate. And take responsibility, herd the cows. This is how his Nanda's younger brothers started to convince him. I think you should let God Krishna be a cowherder. Let let go a little bit. Let go. How can he let go of his Vatsali Rasa? Hmm? When Krishna starts going to the herd for herding, then they look as far as they can and they can't as it's losing sight. Go up the top of the roof. Hmm? Look further, stand on the get on my shoulder, looking. As far as they can. And they hear the horn uh, coming back. They're back on the roof looking and so forth. So how are they going to let go? But they have to let go. Hmm? Sakyarasa has its place. There's some tension between Sakya and Vatsalya. So Krishna is becoming a coward. So there's a build-up that is played out to just, just, just help us enter into the spirit, the, the, the feelings of this. This Vatsalya versus... Uh, the, the, the uh, Sakya 
and all that sakya involves now a new a new a new new life a forest dwelling life going to go deep into the forest not come home early like he was from calf herding which was kind of half letting him go hmm? so to, to to it all culminates ultimately in getting Nandamarj's um, permission right so it's a long story and beautiful story but he comes on the scene and everybody has talked it out Krishna's friends have arrived they're ready to go and you showed a Rohini are there they're saying what's wrong what are you talking about Sridham you come to my house to take my son into the forest and herd cows I mean the, the cows really even need to go into a forest they can have a pasture what what, what's with this? He, of course, he answers them. The cows are curious. They have to go explore. Otherwise, they'll be hard to, to herd. They'll give less milk. I heard this from the elders. Hmm? <laughs> he reasons with her. Hmm? Uh, she tells, hmm, maybe you need to go herding, but not my son. He's the son of a cow herder, that's true, but he's the son of the king of the cow herds, none of who has many, 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 many assistants. It's not necessary for a, the, the, the son of the king to, to do the duties that an ordinary son would do, uh, taking up the, the work of his of his father. So they're a little Sridham, Sudam, and the other cowards gathered are like they kind of glanced at Krishna, like take it from here. Can <laughs> can you reply to that? How are we going to get you know? So Krishna comes out very very sagely. He's just a budding six-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. He says, Mother, hmm, would it be appropriate for Brahmins to have their assistants chant the Vedas? Hmm? Brahmin boys, they have their assistants. Everybody has to do their Dharma. Hmm? And anyway, Sridham's family is wealthy too. Hmm? That's Rishabhanurad. What is the wealth of that family? He's implicating, he's indicating there's a great wealth in the family of Sridham. Hmm? That is Radha herself. Hmm? He's the older brother of Radha. Hmm? Hmm? And he's got permission to cowherd. So Mother Soda is just taken back. My son is speaking like an ancient sage about Dharma. <laughs> How will I think about that? Hmm? And then comes Balaram, hmm? the older brother who's eight days older. <laughs> but he's thinking, I'm the older brother. And why is he thinking like that? Because my Mother Yasoda, from the very beginning, I said, you're the older brother. You're the older brother. You're going to take care of him. She's foisted all that vatsalya bhava onto him. That's why his bhava of sakya is sankul. It's mixed. It's bundled together with, with some vatsalya. Hmm? It's bundled together with some dasya also. But she she's kind of in terms of the narrative, it comes from her. Hmm? So he's just a kid, but he started, He thinks, oh, yeah, I'm the elder brother. I, he hasn't done anything yet. Balaram hasn't done anything. He hasn't killed any demons. Krishna's killed Bakasur, Agasur, Putana, Shakatasur, Trinavarta. <laughs> Balaram's done nothing. But Mother Yasoda's powerful, so even the coward saying, yeah, he's the elder brother, yeah. Later, and he becomes very prominent in this cowherding leelas, Balaram, in, in the in the Pogonda section of the Bhagavatam, which merges so quickly with with Kishore. That's another point, but his Kishore sensibilities. But um, 
yeah, they'll challenge him. Ram, Ram, Mahabaho, where are your big arms now? We'd like to taste the tall fruits. What have you done? They're getting at his ego. And he's like, yeah, all right, I've got to show myself. So off he goes. In this instance, of course, he comes in and then uh, he he weighs in. And Mother sort of says, Father, what do you say? I mean, she's calling Balaram Father. I mean, it's it's a, her own you know, projection, right? And he, he weighs and says, Today Krishna will herd cows. So she's like, that's it. I created my own ne- greatest nemesis. Hmm? How unfortunate. <laughs> what do I do now? So she comes up with a last ditch kind of, well, okay, we've got to go along with it. But we need Nandaraj's permission. We can't, you know, just go without his permission. So another hurdle to be crossed, right? So he comes onto the scene, Nandaraj, Goparaj, Nanda. And he enters and he says what? He says, may Krishna bless you. And all the cowards go, <laughs> kind of like smirking and nudging one another. And then he realizes, oh, you don't understand. He said, it, it is a custom, an ancient custom, that the father will name the son after God. Krishna is the name for God, actually. Hmm? There's also a Krishna Vaikuntha manifestation. Hmm? So it is a custom, an ancient custom, that the father will name the son after God. Hmm? So I've come and said, let there be a Krishna bless you. Of course, I'm referring to God, not my son, <laughs> to bless you. And so he captures their, his young boy's um, interest. And he says, hey, let me tell you a story. Hmm? There's an ancient story. Let me tell you about it. What does he tell? What story did he tell them? There was once a Brahmana. Hmm? And he got uh, distracted from his religious duties. But he named his son Narayana. Hmm? So he tells the story of Ajamil. Hmm? The, ancient, the ancient story. Father, where the custom comes from. Right? To name your son Narayan. I think you named your son Narayan, right? This follow this very brudge idea. <laughs> As we were explaining it. It's a good way of Narayan Marsh, I should have told him that one, it was good. Because Narayan Marsh is there. You have to have a brudge name, of course his name was Narayan, but so talk to Keshav Maharaj. Talk to Nanda Maharaj. We can harmonize it all. So uh, so uh, he tells the story, and in the story, of course, then this comes towards the end of, uh, of the, uh, the story. That it's a philosophical point that by by sanketyam, by designating, using the name to designate something else, to designate my son, hmm, that kind of chanting, Ryan, come here, Ryan, go there, addressing your son, that's a form of namabas, a shadow of the name. And then there's parihasya. Parihasya means joking. And joking means, all these are without, without disrespect for the name. Hmm? So joking means like you see your son and he's lifting something and you say, oh, yours look like strong as Krishna, uh, lifting Govardhan Hill. Ha ha. Hmm. This, is, this is called parihasya. So this is invoking the name in the context of joking, not, without any, not with any disrespect. Sanketam parihasya stobanam means like if if you're uh, writing music or let's say poetry and in order to fill in with a syllable or two syllables you can find a way to insert the name hmm? so 
So as a poetic device, that's called uh, stobha and helanam. Helanam means, um, oh, like uh, how do you say, with uh, uh, with some neglect, hmm? uh, saying the name. Um, uh, uh, helanam. Let me see. Maybe yes. Something. Helanam. Hmm. It doesn't say anything. It means like um, it means like no, yeah, you might you might say hit your head, your, your hit your finger with a hammer and go Krishna, or you could say Krishna while eating or sleeping or while playing. Hmm? This means ne- neglectfully. It's not disrespectful. Hmm? So these are four types of namabhas given in the Bhagavatam. Now, this is maybe a little different than how sometimes some of you may have thought about namabhas. That's because Bhaktivinoda Thakur speaks of another kind of namabhas that he calls shraddha namabhas. That means you have shraddha, so you're on the path, and in the context of that, there's an abhas of the name, a shadow of the name, which is like the dawn before you see the sun, it lights up the day. You know, the sun is coming. It's coming. Here comes the sun. <laughs> and it's all right. <laughs> I said it. So, <laughs> so, so the, the dark has been dispelled, but the sun hasn't really shown, but you know it, it's coming. Hmm? So the, this is, this is uh, then... Another, it's creative theological kind of exercise of Bhaktivinoda to give this. It's not from the founding acharyas, but it's an extension of ideas like bhavabhas, like bhaktiabhas, and namabhas. So for the practitioners, their chanting isn't pure, hmm? um, but it's their their chanting isn't. They're not chanting and making offense. It's not like there's an offensive chanting, but there's offenses that you could make while chanting. That constitutes namaparad. Then you could not make offenses and chant. And not making offenses and chanting will eventually, well, it'll have an effect, uh, a further effect. Hmm? We're kind of getting a little bit ahead with this Shraddha Bas, but it comes more in the next verse. But here in this verse he's saying, by these types, hmm, he mentions neglectful, so it means it includes all four hmm, that I just mentioned. These are ways in which it's uttered, not in the context of a practice, right? Doing japa, doing kirtan. Hmm? It could be done by a devotee or by a non-devotee, right? Hmm? Um, or one without, without faith, I should say, not on the path. Hmm? So, the effects then of that chanting are that they can destroy karma, which is peculiar because, again, the root of karma and the suffering that derives from it is avidya, ignorance. And here, without knowledge, even, of the nature and efficacy of the name, and chanting it in namabhas, you can destroy karma. This is a hard sell to a gyani or to a yogi. 
what they're doing to overcome karma. You look at them and go, <laughs> by Nama Bas we do that. What are you doing? Hmm? This is how Mahaprabhu related to the people on the bank of the Ganges in his own Poganda Leela, in his boyhood Leela, right? making fun of them and their practice, making light of I've come to give Harinam, and only an Abbas of the Nam can take me to where you're trying to go by all these difficult practices. You can go there, yeah, kind of. Hmm? Where can you go by Gyan? Where can you go by yoga? Well, wherever you're going to go, you're going to go by great, with great difficulty you're going to go there. You're going to hitchhike. Hmm? <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you're going to walk. You know, and, and where you're going to go is not as far as you can go by Harinam. By a shadow of the name, you can go there. This, this, this um, stretches the faith of even devotees Therefore, we have to emphasize it because one of the aparads to the name is that if you think that the virtues, the glories of the name are an exaggeration, you're making aparad. So you've got to be very careful. Therefore, later acharyas from the founding acharyas like Rup Sanath and Jiva Goswami, Vishvanath, for example, Sri Vishvanath Chakraditaku, who commented on the whole of Bhagavatam, he, he, he has his way of weighing in to make sure that you won't make that offense by extending um, beyond what Rupa Sanatan Jiva Goswami has said in terms of the efficacy of Nam and uh, Nam Abbas. Hmm? What Rupa Goswami is saying here is that by, by these kinds of Nam Abbas you can get some kind of liberation. You could get Sayuja Mukti, Sarupya Mukti, Salokya Samipya, Charsti, so forth. Hmm? It's a it's, uh, it's possible. Hmm. That's incredible. Hmm. You wouldn't think so. Devotees don't look overtly necessarily spiritual. They don't have to. Like Krishna West, they don't have. They don't look like devotees. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> but it's okay on that level. But uh, um, um, but. The next verse, we go to take it a step further, right? By Nam Abbas, these four types, you can get such freedom from karma. Freedom from karma means mukti. Karma is the glue that binds together two things that otherwise don't mix, maya shakti and jiva shakti. The glue is karma. Now, the world cycles of Vishnu have no beginning, right? Does Vishnu have a beginning? No. Does his breathing have a beginning? No. What are the world cycles? They're poetically compared to his exhalation, his inhalation. Hmm? So this is cyclical time. You've got to get out of linear time. And Western Christian and thinking of the scientific revolution. Not, not linear time. Cyclical time. It's very soothing, actually. Hmm? Go round and round. Hmm? I won't tell the rest of the song. But <laughs> so, so uh, the world cycles have their beginning and ending, but the beginning and endings have no beginning. This is called Anadi. Vishnu has no beginning. The world cycles have no beginning. 
the jivas have no beginning, the maya shakti has no beginning, and karma can't have any beginning because there can't be a world without karma. There can't be a material world without karma. There can't be any without the glue to bring together the jivas and maya. There can't be a material world. If there's always a material world, and there always is, and there always will be, because it is part of God. The material world is God also. It's his maya shakti. It's one with him and different from him. It's not profane. Hmm? This is a panentheistic perspective. God is the world, and the world is in God. Hmm. He's outside of the world and he's inside the world, both. We don't make like in, in 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 classical theology, Christian theology, this divide. The world is profane, God is sacred, and we have an environmental crisis. Hmm? Because we've been raping the world. Hmm? Because we're the sons of God. Hmm? <laughs> so <laughs> problem. So, what was it? So, panentheistic um, worldview, theology, and 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 so, um, anadi avidya. So the avidya, anyway, this avidya is destroyed, beginning this by something that looks like. You don't even have knowledge. You're just chanting a na- the name. You might say the name's sacred, but he's doing it neglectfully. How is he going to destroy Avidya? This is at this point. How powerful is Nam? So you think about this in your right mind. How? Why would you take up any other path? It's so easy. Not that we make a path out of neglectful chanting. Hmm? We don't make a path out of Nam Vas. But that's just to emphasize, to say what to speak if you actually. Now, take advantage of the Nam and enter into the Dharma of the Nam, Sankirtan, that Mahaprabhu was given to the world. What will be the benefits? They will exceed far beyond mere mukti. Hmm? Any form of uh, such mukti. Therefore, Prem Prayojan is the goal. Prem. Hmm? Bhakti can give mukti, but mukti can't give bhakti. So do the math. Hmm? This is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, it's very beautifully, you know, you see, Rupa Goswami has talked about the liberated position of the name. And wow, we heard about it, it was extraordinary. Now, the generosity of the name, how it goes so high and reaches so low that even a shadow of it can give what's sought after for lifetimes of austerity. I mean, living in a cave in the Himalayas for lifetimes you get mukti. Can you believe this? You're going to get this by just nama bas? Again, Vishwanath is careful. Don't think no. Don't think it's an exaggeration. That will be a nama aparad. Hmm? However, uh, Sanatana Goswami is a little more uh, kind of nuanced about it, an earlier commentator. And the nuanced statements of Sanatana may be helpful to us. They come up really in relation, from 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 my thinking, uh, to the next verse. Hmm. 
well, verse after the next, but uh, uh, we'll get to that. Here so far we've learned today that karma is removed by Namabhas. And the question may come, all karma? Because I said there are different kinds of karma. So there's karma that hasn't yet manifest. You could head it off at the pass before it manifests. You could be going into a place where everybody has the flu and you realize, uh-oh, and not go in. So you, But if you've, if you've already got a cold, well, it's going to take you six days or a week, seven days or a week. There's, there's, you know, nothing you can do about it. You can't, can't cure the common cold, they say. Hmm? So parabdha, manifest karma. Hmm? The jnanis teach, and the scriptures teach, which they know, that's why they're jnanis, kind of. Hmm? They don't know as well as the bhaktas, because bhakti is the end of jnan, the furthest reach of knowledge, the rajavidya. Hmm? They teach that um, what is the point now? That that yes, that parabdha that all gyan by destroying the avidya through the practices of gyan, yoga would be similar. You can do away with all the karma that has not yet manifest. That's waiting to get its satisfaction from you. You've taken and you owe, and the creditors are waiting their turn to pounce on you. You can head them off with a pass by gyan. So that karma is easier to do away with because it hasn't started to manifest yet. There's something you can do in the, in the, in the present to ensure that that won't happen. You can eradicate the, the aparabdha karma, the unmanifest karma. Huge task. By gyan, they're doing this. And then there's another kind of karma on the other side of the parabdha called kriyamana karma. That means the karma that you create by what you do now. Hmm? So that also you're f saved from by gyan. Because you're not going to act, because you have knowledge, in a way that involves taking and being implicated karmically in the world. Hmm? So that leaves parabdha, the manifest karma, right? And the Gyanis teach, and rightly so, that, that that karma has to just play itself out. There is nothing you can do. So the Jivan Mukta, he's liberated in this life, and his karma's finished except for the Parabdha, and he's just witnessing it, playing itself out, and when it plays itself out, that is called death. And so from Jivan Mukta, which is an embodied form of Mukti, so to speak, you go to Videha Mukti, bodiless Mukti, enter into, for example, Sayuja Mukti, into Brahman. Hmm? So this, uh, so anyway, this, this destroying of all the karma except the parabdha is possible by Gyan. Now, what's being taught here is that all this par it, this aparabdha karma, kriyamana karma, can be destroyed by Namabhas. What about that's a huge statement in itself, hard to believe, but we believe it. Hmm? What about the parabdha? Can Namabhas remove the parabdha? Hmm? That is a question. Hmm? 
What is the answer? Depends who you talk to. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, I mean, we, we, it kind of comes up in, in the next class. We should leave that without. What will happen to your parabdha? Can you remove it just by namabhas? Or is there some other process that you need? Hmm? Right? So, this way, Rupa Goswami has, in two verses, shown the furthest reach of nam. It's a liberated position, and it's generosity extending down to the lowest sector. Are there any questions? Yes? Well, mine was related to the, when you were talking about um, Well, yeah, you haven't looked at all the paintings, perhaps. <laughs> there are the paintings. So. No, they were quite uh, uh, old, relatively speaking. Obviously, uh, it was typical in the culture that the wife might be younger some years than the husband. So, but still, they were um, they talked together. The problem, see what what the problem was is that every time that Nanda Maharaj thought to conceive of a son, he thought, "I want a son, and he'll be more beautiful than Orion." And he started, really in his mind, Krishna started to manifest. And they thought, well, that's impossible. How can I have a son that's more beautiful and qualified than God? I'm crazy. And so he would lose his motive for conceiving a child. And uh, one day, after a long time, because they they didn't have a child, and it was starting to become a, a gnawing concern in the otherwise completely satisfied and blissful brudge, because if the king doesn't have a son... Who will, who will lead us going forward? Hmm? So there was this separation building. Hmm? Nanda doesn't have a son year after year after year. Nanda knew something year after year. And then finally they they got together, the two of them, and Nandamar said, Here, here's the problem. I know you want a son, but every time I think of it, she said, that's what happens to me too. Hmm? Then they thought well, they were on the same page. And so then they began... To worship, they got some advice, hmm, a good priest, and then they began to worship Narayan. They performed a vrat for one year, hmm, very control, very perfectly controlling their senses and so forth. And Krishna appeared. It means you have to perform a vrat for Krishna to appear. <laughs> you have to control your mind and your senses, and so, so they did this. Right? And Krishna then, then Narayan came in. And said, it's your, your attempt to conceive has been successful. And so, so and then they had the son, which was a celebration, and big celebration in the brudge. So they were both old. Hmm? Now in art, um, you know, they could be, uh, different artists may depict them in different ways. I think you're probably relating to the fact that Prabhupada told him, draw like this and draw like that. More may be made out of that by Ramaswar than you know there is to make out of it, um, and I love him too. Um, um, you know, he told me once that you have to understand, Prabhupada is the first person that ever t- showed the world what God actually looks like. 
what he actually looks like. That's the BBT artwork. And I said, well, they've been painting pictures about Krishna for a long time in India, <laughs> the Mughal period, and you know, you might want to, oh yeah. But he, anyway, so, um, you know, um, yeah, Prabhupada, Prabhupada made her look young. She's eternal, so, you know, that's another way of looking at it. Um, there's no old age in the spiritual sky, so even though none is old, he's, he's not suffering from old age. All right, so we talked for a long time. Shri Namastakam ki jai, Rupa Goswami Prabhupada ki jai, Jai Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhaktabindha ki jai, Gaur Premanandi.